Welcome to you, Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. In fact, it's the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, with promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first box of Built Bars and some new special offers we'll talk about later today at BuiltBar.com. Okay, today, let's see. You know what, Matt? You sent me something I think is really interesting. It's done by... Hayden Weeks at Roto World. There is one specific thing that keeps young running backs, especially off the field, when people might think, hey, this is a more dynamic runner. Why is he not in the game? There's one reason why. Tease that for a little bit later in the show. Maybe we'll get to that in segment number three. We've got a little bit of news to get to. Some folks out there had some questions, uh, maybe a little overflow from the Twitter Thursday and some tweets we've gotten since then. Plenty to get into today. And some news to begin with, I want to start actually with Joe Flacco has a job, and we had talked about the Jets and Sam Darnold and how Sam Darnold had a winning record last year, Matt, but Joe Flacco as the backup, I like that a lot, a veteran, he's on a one-year contract, it doesn't cost them a lot of money, but we had talked about when when uh, when Darnold was out last year with the, what do you have, mono or something like that, right? They, didn't, they basically yep. didn't have an NFL quarterback to throw in there, so now they do. No, I mean, first of all, happy Memorial Day to all. Yes. Here we are recording here. We're, our show's our dedication. We're going to come at you five days a week, even on a holiday. Uh, not the usual holiday. I got to admit that it was a day or two ago, my wife and kids were like, yeah, we're off on Monday. I'm like, for what? You know, I mean, just, I mean, it's just every day is the same. And, yeah. but it was like, oh, great. You know, but I hope everyone has some burgers and dogs and a couple cold ones and also realizes, you know, why we have this holiday. So, I mean, it's, it's more than just, having the day off and grilling and chilling. So good stuff. Um, Flacco. I don't know if you and I ever had this conversation, because I brought it up many times. He's one of my pit claim to fames, where Audubon High School in New Jersey, Joe was not really getting recruited by anyone. I think he had an offer from OU, um, you know, not getting a lot of attention. And his tape came across my desk, and I was like, wow, this guy can sling it. And he's 6'6", and was a better athlete back then. He actually played free safety on occasion, too, if you can believe that, when he was 16, 17 years old at Audubon High School. You know what? There's a lot of, not sorry to interrupt you here, but there's a, yeah, lot, yeah, of, a lot of quarterbacks used to play safety, and it's got to be because they're smart. athletic enough on the high, high school level. But, yeah, they're smart, right? They get it. Yep, absolutely. A lot of them are. And a lot of it was like third and long. Joe would play deep middle and just kind of see the field and, you know, try to get his long pause on a ball. Um, they also weren't the most athletic high school in the world either. Um, but anyway, you know, the, his tape comes across my desk and most of the 90% of the ones that came across my desk were like, nah, next, next, next. And it's like, whoa, was a, like a howitzer on this kid. So took it to the area coach, took it to the quarterback coach, who was our head coach. Everybody liked him, brought him in for a visit. And we took Joe, you know, so he was kind of out of nowhere. We he was came out of nowhere, and then he transferred to Delaware, obviously, because he was, you know, a little bit down in the pecking order. So got to know him and his family when he was a, many moons ago, and I've always rooted for him since. But <laughs> I did not realize that he was a transfer to Delaware. I thought he just started yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, That's... yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I'm a try to be as impartial as possible, and. I haven't said much good about Joe the player for probably five to eight years. But to your point, veteran backup behind a still young developing pocket passer. Joe's a good dude. He'll help in that regard. He's been around the block. 
And to your point, too, he's a million times better than Luke Falk. And I think at, at one point, maybe in Baltimore, he was like, no, wait, I'm the starting quarterback here. I, I think there's a, yeah. a reset probably for him seeing the number he got here, which was, I think, what, like $1.5 million. Yeah, one year, $1.5 million. He knows he's a backup coming into this situation more so than even in Denver. So I think this is a much better situation for him to be the dude who's supporting the starting quarterback rather than being like, I'm competing for a starting job. I'm still a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2020. Absolutely. And to your point about the Lamar Jackson situation, he is a bit of an introvert. And you even saw that during you know their, their, their rise. It was always Ray Lewis's team. I and mean, he's not a real outgoing guy. But I do think behind the scenes, sitting next to each other in the quarterback meeting room on a Wednesday afternoon, he's going to give Sam a couple of tips, you know, and that that's helpful. And he could get you out of a game. I mean, I, I, I thought there was a chance Joe had thrown his last pass at the NFL level because I have not been impressed with him the last few years. But there is something to be said for all the starting experience. He can still sling it. Um, he can get you out of a game. You know, that stretch of five or six games that they played without Darnold last year would have gone better with Flacco. And I had forgotten that they that the Jets had drafted a fourth-round quarterback, too, out of Florida International, James Morgan, not somebody I had watched a lot before the draft. So they brought themselves in a rookie to develop there, and the 35-year-old veteran in Flacco, so really transforming the the quarterback room behind Sam Darnold. So obviously that was a point that they needed to address I think um for for Adam Gase and the New York Jets and and they did it yeah right and I, I think he's a decent prospect he's obviously down the line but he was not a, he wasn't a sixth or seventh round pick he was a mid-round guy so it looks like they'll keep three they have the young developmental guy the old old dude and then the guy hopefully entering his prime so I, I think they're spaced out pretty well and by the way uh, Flacco's still hurt he had the neck injury so he's probably not going to be ready or week one anyway. So that leaves some opportunity for some other quarterbacks to fight for the number two job out of camp. But at some point, uh, whenever he's ready, I think September-ish, mid-September is when he's supposed to be completely cleared. And then we'll see Flacco as the as the backup there. So that's probably one of the reasons why Flacco is on the street for so long, too, if he's willing to sign a, you know, a one-year, $1.5 million contract. Right. And better players than him have been waiting around a little bit at that position. too. <laughs> right. right. You know, uh, some other news about the league and plans and different states that look like we might have some training camp. But real quick, staying on the Jets theme, and we've talked about this a little bit, but there's been the rumors with Jamal Adams and apparently they were trying to get a long term deal done. They are now at a stalemate with the Jets and the Jamal Adams camp. They picked up his fifth-year option, so he signed through 2021. So it doesn't seem like something that has to happen now. But for some reason, this has been a big story in, in trade rumors. And if there was never that initial trade rumor, I mean, a lot of the other rookies that are on that had their fifth-year options picked up, people aren't going crazy talking about trades with them. But for Jamal Adams, it's a really big conversation. And there's been rumors about teams that might be interested, like the Cowboys, and then reports that, no, Cowboys say they're not interested at all. The Jets saying we're not trying to trade him. But then now there's a report from Yahoo's Charles Robinson that says, well, we're not shopping him, but we'll listen to offers. So this seems like a situation where Adams is not going to remain a Jet, but there's also, I mean, he signed through 2021. There doesn't seem like to be this imminent thing where they have to do anything either so I'm wondering why with Jamal Adams there's so much chatter so much talk about a trade when it's like why is this even public what is happening right now with Jamal Adams it doesn't make any sense right now in Jetland. yeah it, it doesn't but boy there's been a lot of smoke 
going back even to the previous GM. I mean, is ownership saying we're not going to give a safety massive long-term money, so do what you can out of it? I mean, again, it's two different staffs that are at least kicking the tires on this situation. Teams tell you what they think, and I'm not going to look too much into it, but they had, I mean, Marcus May and Adams were a really good young tandem, and I understand May's contract's up as well. But they draft Ashton Davis with the 68th pick overall, too, who I really liked. And maybe it was just too good to be true. We'll add to a strength. We'll play big nickel a lot. But they had other fish to fry. I mean, you could have taken a corner or an edge or whatever at that point. So are they thinking that one or both of May and Adams won't be around? I think that's true. It probably one, not both, won't be around. I've also heard the Ravens with Adams, which, boy, raised an eyebrow like, man, that's a missing piece to make them super, super strong. Um, I, I, I don't know. We've talked about this a lot. Like, I'll entertain offers, and if you're going to give me Ramsey, Mac, two first-type neighborhood, I'm all in because, I mean, look how much that's hurt the Rams and the Bears and things like that in the draft. And getting a great player is great, but – Trading for them and paying them is the double whammy, and it's hard to win that situation. Yeah, for and a the safety, Jets, too. You know what I mean? You mentioned the Ravens. You, if you're the Ravens, you you can't pay $15, $17 million for your strong safety after you're already giving Earl Thomas so much at free safety unless there's a, a plan there and they can get out of, I don't know exactly how Thomas's contract is structured, but if they could get out of that, then they sign Adams. Maybe that one could make sense there, but... That's a lot of money, and safeties aren't paid a ton around the NFL, and there's a reason they're not drafted high, and there's a lot of good safeties in the league, and that's one of the problems where you look at teams, and I get a lot of these questions on Locked On 49ers, and they're like, hey, Jamal Adams, because everyone knows that listens to my show that I love Jamal Adams, and I loved him coming out of college. Yeah. I thought the Niners should have taken him uh, with the third pick even, which is really high to take a safety when they took Solomon Thomas in 2017, but... And I, my answer is always like, no, it doesn't make any sense for the 49ers. They have too much salary elsewhere. You you can't yeah. pay a first round and third round price and 15 plus million dollars when you have pretty good safeties already in-house. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think a lot of teams feel that way. So I wonder what Adams would even get on the free agent market. Would he even get that number that he's asking for from the Jets? And it seemed like if you're going to do a deal this early with the team who's already got you under control through 2021, there should be a little discount and a little you know, good faith in there to, to help out the Jets long-term. Otherwise, why would they even do that deal? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I wonder you know, how analytically driven are the Jets. I mean, safeties to me, big picture, are increasing in value because I want do-it-all positionless football guys on defense, you know, Derwin James, mm-hmm. um, we just saw the Cardinals use a high pick on Isaiah Simmons for those type of reasons. And I think Adams fits that mold, but you can't have everything. And the jets have needed expensive things, tackles, edge rushers, corners. And if you have a lot tied up at safety, well, you can't get everything, you know, you got to cut corners somewhere. Right. So, Hey, if we can deal this asset for two premium picks and we already dedicated some assets to receiver and, tackle this year and we can build the the edges of our defense it might be a, a, a profitable move for new york and i do like their front office i love adams though you know like if i was 10 teams i'd be calling about it. i'm not giving you two firsts for a young promising safety but 
Steelers just gave up, you know, uh, the what ended up being the 18th pick, and at the time looked like it could have been much earlier for Minka. I mean, I'm in that neighborhood for right. him. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, a team like yeah. what what uh, what the Steelers gave up for Minka Fitzpatrick, I could see that happening. He's a fantastic player. Safety's just a tough one, which is probably what makes things difficult for the Jets to get a deal done. If he was a defensive end, they're like, yeah, here's all the money. Let's go. Sure, sure. All right, uh, let's move on to the state of the football world, the plans for the league heading into training camp, which are updated. It seems like every Monday we get a nice bit of good news, which is cool. And then some other good questions floated out here from the listeners, some topics I want to talk about and what's keeping young running backs off the field in the NFL next. And we have a special offer for our listeners now from Built Bar today only, Monday only, a free pack of assorted Built Boost Energy Drink mix matt that you and i have both had that we got our care package from built bars zero calorie drink energy mix but here's the big deal memorial week offer just this week five dollars off every box of built bars that's on top of using promo code locked on getting ten dollars off your first box of built bars at builtbar.com if you're a listener of the show promo code locked on get an extra five dollars off this week, and they're launching four new flavors this week, Matt. Peanut butter banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan bar, blueberry lemon. Those sound like their dessert, right? Well, they taste like a candy bar, but they are high in fiber, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calorie, a healthy treat. Are you excited about any of those new flavors, Matt? Peanut butter banana, for sure. I'm not a coconut fan. I'll just tell you that you know straight what? up. I'm so not that either. one's on the... My my wife hits a coconut okay. though. <laughs> my wife hits the coconut yeah. thing. I leave those for her. She knows I'm not going to eat them. But yeah, peanut butter, banana, blueberry, lemon sounds interesting. I'm in, I'm into that. I'm cool with that too. I mean, they're not the traditional flavors. I, I'm a fan for sure. I mean, the offers are they're presenting today are bonkers. How can you not at least give it a try? Absolutely, you got to give it a try, and that's. What? I'm counting 20 flavors now because they already had 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate with nuts, eight chocolate nut-free flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And this week only, an extra five off your box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. More good news from the league, Matt. This from Troy Vincent who is the executive VP of football operations. The NFL is, quote, planning to have full stadiums until the medical community tells us otherwise. That's what Troy Vincent told NBC Sports. He says, now I know there's a lot that can happen here, so we're planning for full stadiums, and they'll see what happens. But he thinks by September, August, Things are going to be okay, and right now I'm looking at training camps, and I'm thinking that's six weeks, over six weeks out from where we are, and we already heard California Governor Gavin Newsom was just one of the states I thought was going to lag behind. You know, Arizona said, let's go, let's have sports with no fans, we're fine with doing that already, and then now the governor of New York, which was another state that I thought ah, might be a little bit behind, this is not going to happen, Andrew Cuomo announced that professional sports in New York State can begin. So basically training camps can start happening immediately. And New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is expected also to announce something similar, which is obviously key for the Jets and the Giants there. So we might be really on a path here where training camp is on. Let's go football season happening. Fans, eh, maybe we'll see. They're planning for full stadiums. I don't know about that one yet. It's awesome news. I mean, it seems like every couple days you get another little nugget in the positive column. I mean, 
Um, I haven't paid enough attention, but my buds that are huge you know, Penguin fans are all excited. It looks like there's going to be some sort of postseason tournament. I think the NBA is doing something similar. You know, Major League Baseball is not dead yet, that's for sure. And boy, this time's up perfect for our purposes. I mean, the NFL, you know, like you said, I mean, this is, you know, late August, early September, and you we're, we're talking about full stadiums. I mean, even if it was half a stadium or an empty stadium, I would take at this point, but it sure looks like, you know, normal scheduling camp is going to be up and rolling at a normal time. That's awesome. And think about it. I mean, compared to the other sports and more importantly, compared to the other walks of life and all the poor people that have lost jobs or whatever too, um, really the only thing that hurt the NFL was no mini camps, no pro days, and that's about it. It's extremely exciting. You know, the, some of the other sports are really interesting because obviously the timing has been perfect for the NFL. They were able to have the virtual off season. It's looking like they'll at least have 16 games on the schedule played on time unless something, you know, and look, we're not out of woods yet. This could absolutely mm -hmm. take a change for the worse at some point, especially with people. And I'm seeing a lot of this Memorial uh, Day weekend, the holiday weekend. I'm seeing a lot of people a little bit closer and sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, people are ready for it. So there there could be another spike and and we might have to calm things down again. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Knock, knock on wood, everything continues on the path that it's going on right now. And obviously if we get a a cure and some things like that for this coronavirus. Obviously, that would be fantastic. But all of the the protocols and stuff that'll be in place is fascinating for teams. And you know, because you might not show symptoms, so just taking everybody's temperature every day might not be enough. And uh, I'm I'm worried that they're going to open camps, everything's going to be good, and then all of a sudden, one of those camps is just going to boom hit all of a sudden, and a bunch of players are going to get it. Oh shoot! Now they're quarantined. The league's going to say, "Well, crap! Can we have everybody still doing their thing now?" and is it fair if one team's quarantined for the next three weeks and half of training camp, is it fair to let everybody else have training camp? Or if if this happens one place, we have to stop this so it doesn't happen somewhere else. There's there's a lot of things yeah. that could happen here that, that worry me. But as of now, it's definitely all good news. But I do want to remind people, not out of the woods yet. Everybody take your precautions. Let's Let's keep this thing going in a positive direction. Yeah, let's not chisel it in stone that, oh, it'll just be a normal NFL season quite yet. But... I'm optimistic, and I've always been an optimist on this and tried to ignore the ugly parts of it, but um, I'm not educated on this subject enough to really comment except <laughs> yeah. for, yay, football. I want more football. Right. Listen to your experts. Do, it, do right. what the smart folks say, which is not Matt or I. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about Dak on this this podcast, and if you want to know more about the Dak conversation, you should go back and listen to our conversation with – Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys from last week, but Bradley wanted us to talk about Dak if he's worth $40 million a season, um, more $40 million more than Andy Dalton is specifically his question, taking into consideration roster construction and stuff like that. I want to drop a stat here that I saw um, that I thought was really interesting that kind of blew me away. And there's an argument that Dak doesn't win enough with what he has in hmm. Dallas. Dak has 40 career wins. Russell Wilson, in the same span as Dak's been in the league, has also exactly 40 wins. Russell Wilson, 3-4 and four record in the playoff. Dak is 1-2 and two in the playoffs. While Dak's roster is better, Russ has had... I don't know. Whose coaching staff has been better? I, I would say Carroll's coaching staff Seattle has been better, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But although they run the ball way too much. But anyway, yes, they, yeah. one one of those staffs knows how to win, and the other one did not. Right, exactly. That's I think that's one of the keys. So is it the staff that doesn't know how to win? Is it Dak? I I, I do believe that Dak's had a little bit better roster for sure, at least, and it's going more in that direction than at the beginning of Dak's run. So. I don't know where you stacked Dak in all that stuff, but just the, as far as the wins, because that was the big one. Like he's he's won as much as Russell Wilson, and you and I both are on record. We're like Russell Wilson's one a or superstar. two, or like at worst the third best quarterback in the league right now, right? So right. I mean, compared to Wilson's not fair. I think Wilson could go in the Hall of Fame right now, and he's playing the best of his career, which is a Hall of Fame level career. I think him and Mahomes stand alone as the best two in the league. I think Wilson in Dallas these last couple of years would have yield, yielded amazing results, but that's not Dak's fault. And that sounds like I'm being negative on Dak, which isn't fair at all. I mean, if we, if we did a, like a, a virtual draft of, of all the quarterbacks in the league, considering their age, what we know about them, who would I most be comfortable investing in long-term Mahomes is one, of course, and then you get into Lamar and Watson and a couple of those type of guys. But Dak is probably seventh or eighth. You know, I mean, may, definitely top ten, maybe maybe four or five, six in that neighborhood. So you invest in them. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's just it, the money almost doesn't matter anymore. Like people went crazy when Kirk Cousins was making twenty nine, thirty million a year. That was like two years ago, and now it's a bargain. You know, like it's all monopoly money for these quarterbacks. And Dallas, for two notes too, you mentioned he's one and two in the playoffs. Well, Lamar's zero and two, and frankly, if you're five hundred in the playoffs, that's a great record, folks. That's one of my pet peeves too. Is people be like, "Boy, he's got a losing record in the playoffs." Do you know how hard it is to win more games than you lose in the playoffs when every team in the league loses their last game that makes the playoffs except for one, right. you know, like yeah. just do the math folks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Most people lose and not everybody gets a win and very few get multiple wins per year. And we've talked about this a lot and this goes back to the, the locked on Dallas crossover. We did too. awful on special teams, things like that awful and net penalty yards, terrible kicking game, like things that were outside the offense, which was the best offense in the league on a per snap basis is what hurt that team and did them, didn't get them where they need to be. It wasn't Dak's fault. Dak excelled. And speaking of Russ, he said that he would love, and we heard, we heard this from Tom Brady too. And I think this is what quarterbacks are probably going to say. If there's an all pro level wide receiver on the street, they're like, uh, yeah, can you go ahead and bring that guy in? He's not going to be my headache. He's going to be your headache if he causes problems. But Russ was like, um, I think it was the Seattle radio show. He told, yeah, I would love to have Antonio Brown in here. And Jonathan wants to know, is it realistic that Antonio Brown would end up in Seattle if Pete and Russell are the perfect combo for his NFL return? When I heard that, I went, bells went off in my head and said, that's the spot. That's the best one I've heard yet because on the field, he would fit in extremely well. I mean, he's the total package, route runner, you know, all the stuff you draw up, AB runs it better than anybody. But when the play breaks down, he even gets better. I mean, assuming he's close to the player we saw, you know, the last time he was on the field, which was, a, you know, the best receiver in the league, give or take. Um, and I think Carroll could certainly handle the personality and the culture there and Wilson in place is about as good a spot to handle A.B. as any. So when I heard it, I thought, 
that's the team. And hopefully they would throw the ball a much higher percentage of time. Who the heck knows? But my question to you, and who knows, AB probably has a suspension waiting for him when he comes back anyway. Do you think if you had to put a chip down, yes or no, black or red, is AB on an opening day roster suspended or not? Do you think I he's would, in the league? I would say no. Really? And I would say this offseason probably hurts his chances because nobody's gotten hurt yet because nobody's doing anything in mini camps True. and stuff like that. So maybe at the end of camp. I, also, the league is really weird. Once someone has that that stink on them, they just teams like to stay away. It's so strange. So there's a few teams around the league that, that you could see making a splash move like that. Like um, Dallas was one yeah, of them, but, but T.D. Lamb fell in their lap. Right, so now they don't make sense. I think landing spot-wise, though, you're right. Seattle's maybe one of the best spots I can imagine for A.B. to end up. And they've taken some risks on some character guys, to say the least. Yeah, it's tough because he's so good. He could make a huge difference, but it's hard to... Yeah, it's hard to be comfortable with that right now, just with what we that saw is. with the last couple of years here with him. Okay, uh, I want to talk running backs. What is keeping your favorite running back off the field in the NFL? We'll get to that next. Matt, I'll let you jump in and preface this because you sent me this article and it's really interesting and it's it's important and it's a conversation we kind of forget when it comes to running backs. And it was Hayden Winks, who's a smart guy. He works at Roto World and he wrote an article and he used some PFF data here to to see how often and how important it is for running backs to actually pass protect. You think about how good of receivers they are, how good of runners they are, how fast they are. But if you get your quarterback killed, you'll be yanked so fast from a game. The one thing coaches need is to be able to trust you in pass pro, right? Yes. I think running back is probably the easiest position to trans, you know, to, to move from the college level to the NFL level. And I 100% agree with you. If a player isn't making a smooth transition or you picked them on your fantasy team and you're screaming at the TV every week, why isn't my guy on the field? They're either a fumbler, they don't know their assignments in terms of what holes they should hit and know their offense, but that's, you know, that's pretty rudimentary. You should be able to do those that, that. Fumblers can keep you off the field, but way more than anything is pass protection, you know, and that's the hardest thing for running backs to transfer to the NFL because the perfect example, and I really wanted to bring this guy up more than anyone, is Edward Tolaire at LSU because he was pretty bad in protection and it you know they they had very they they like to put five receivers out in the route because Burrow was so good mentally he didn't want max protection he wanted all those options so you'd see Edward Hilaire give a little chip a little shoulder and then go out for a route and catch a lot of passes and the reality is if you're the head coach at Oklahoma or Kent State or New Mexico State whatever you're most the guy that's best with the ball in his hands. You want to get the ball in his hands. You don't want him blocking pass rushers. So they just don't ask him to do it as much. And then you come to the NFL and you have to know the protection schemes of who you have. And you have to be able to you know, block premium pass rushers, even if that's just a blitzing safety or linebacker. So I had never seen this documented until Hayden Winks did this and said, what teams ask it the most, you know, what percentage of the time are they asking their running back to stand in and pass block? And there's a pretty big discrepancy from one to 32. It's interesting. Yeah. The teams that use their running backs to block the most have them in blocking 25% 
of the time, but a team like Kansas City, so maybe for Hilaire it doesn't matter as much because it's more mm-hmm. like you know 13% of the time or something like that, which is still enough, and it only takes one to get your quarterback killed, and it's not just... Um, it's it's like technique. You have to understand what's going on and, and pick up that blitzer, and you have to stick your nose in there, and you have to stonewall somebody. You can't just get in the way in the NFL, and it's interesting because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, according to the pro football focus numbers, his pass blocking grade was 314th out of 349 qualifier, qualified running backs in the NFL. So um, that's not good, but... Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator in Kansas City, said, you know what, I don't think it's going to be a problem because he's got the right attitude. He's got the mentality of someone who, who should be a good blocker. For whatever reason, he wasn't good at it, but if he doesn't learn it quick, that you know that number one overall rookie running back that people are drafting in fantasy leagues might not see the field as much as they expect. Yes, and from a scouting world, you didn't see a lot of pass protection snaps from running backs, so... Does he have the body type to do it? That would worry me a little bit with Edward Solaire. Shorter arms, not a, you know, he can get bull rushed and ran over. But more importantly, does he he have the want to and the competitiveness, you know, and, and that's I'm sure in Edward Solaire's favor. But he was one I really wanted to focus on because only the Texans, Vikings, Redskins, and Chargers asked their backs to protect less than Kansas City. And the Chiefs are a super smart organization, and they're probably gonna throw him the ball which he's way better at than picking up a defensive end, of course. But I thought it was interesting that the Chargers were the fewest by a pretty wide margin, you know, and I would imagine that even continues with an improved offensive line with Eckler being such a good receiver. And then some teams at the top that asked the most of them, Tennessee was number one by a wide margin, you know, well over 25%. I'm not, I have to think about that one. I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, they do so much play action. And Hen- I guess it's mostly just because Henry's not a good receiver. <laughs> Maybe that's a simple short answer. Is yeah, play action big, and then block somebody. Body. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big body. Get in the way. We don't need you running routes anyways because you're not good at it. The Bengals were second. And I bet that goes down dramatically. And if it does, it'll be a much better offense because Mixon's a great receiver. And maybe their pass blocking just needed so much help last year that he had to stay in more than they wanted. Tampa at three, that might actually go up because Brady needs a running back that can protect. And I think that hurts Ronald Jones's cause a lot. He's not good at protection. Mm -hmm. The Cardinals were next. And I would think that one goes down too. But when you play as much four receiver sets, you're not, if you're, if you need an extra blocker, it's not going to be Larry. It's not going to be Christian Kirk. So by default, it's the back. And then the Giants were next, which I think is interesting because as much as I love Saquon, he's not adapting well as a blocker in this league. And it's kind of the hidden ugly secret. So what do teams do? Like how many times did you see Brady have White or Vereen or whomever detached? He senses blitz, waves them in. So that's what teams are doing to the Giants. So you detach Saquon. They show blitz like crazy. They make you audible to get Saquon in the backfield and have him pick up blitzes, which he isn't so good at. So he needs <laughs> right. to improve in this area. And that also means he's not catching the ball out of the backfield and right. burning you that way. Um, here's one on the other side of things, and we've got to wrap this up, but Cam Akers yeah. was third out of 349 running backs. So uh, that's yeah. very good news for him. And the fact that they drafted him was already bad news for Daryl Henderson, but I think that might've been one of the reasons Henderson did not see the field a lot as a rookie last year. Henderson, by the way, coming in was 264th among running backs in that 
draft class, so he graded very poorly. Um, and Cam the Rams Akers, were actually next on the list of most. Right, they were fifth or sixth on the so list, Akers, right? Yeah. So Akers might make a seamless transition. Then. Um, by the way, the third he was third in pass blocking reps, so he had a bunch of reps at pass blocking. He was 90, okay. 99th out of 349, though, which is still pretty good amongst this list. You know who surprises me out of this draft class of running backs, though? Darrington Evans. Had the best grade, thirty yeah. fifth out of three hundred and forty nine, as far as pass blocking grades. And the Titans are number one, and how often they ask? Yeah, interesting. How about huh? that? These teams know a thing or two. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, yeah, fumbles, pass protection, those are the things to look for. Look for those in w- before your draft. Go to the training camp reports if we have training camp. Find out who's looking the best in pass protection in practice and who's not putting the ball in the ground. And those rookie running backs will likely see the field a little bit earlier. And it's something to look for in preseason, too. Right, exactly. If we, if we have it or whatever. And hopefully we do have all of those things. And I guess we're not that far off, Matt. No. Almost great. June. And then in July, we're going to have players on fields somewhere doing something. I'm hoping. And, man, I wouldn't. I watched a seven-minute video the other day. This is where this is. I, I didn't really realize where I was at with with missing some sports. And I'm a big baseball guy. And I don't know if you're as much of a baseball fan as I am. Uh, no, they, I grew up with the Pirates just hurting my soul. So I like, yeah. <laughs> I like basketball. I like playing basketball more than I like watching it. But I enjoy basketball. I enjoy playing softball and things like that, too. But baseball was the my true love. Originally, my sport, I was going to be center fielder for the San Francisco Giants. That was my dream as a sure. as a young kid. Um, Willie Mays, Brian right. Peacock. You yeah, know, sure. yeah, so it's, yeah. It's a perfect, a, a perfect linear uh, <laughs> replacement there. Um, but when, when the, with no baseball season starting, I didn't think I was going to miss it that much, and I was busy with the draft and stuff. But the other day, there was a couple of players from the Cincinnati Reds that just had a video of they were mic'd up and they were out in the park playing baseball with each other like legitimately pitching like this is it was Trevor Bauer pitching to one of the guys he plays with who was a hitter and they were kind of talking trash to each other and, and having fun with it but they were p- pitching and he was throwing you know real stuff and so it was like a real batting practice session one-on-one which was kind of a cool idea because you don't really see pitcher versus hitter one-on-one that goes beyond one yeah, at bat, yeah. one at bat but I watched every second of this thing and I was so after it was over, I was like, man, I want more of that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I really am missing this more than I thought. And I think we're seeing the popularity of The Last Dance and stuff like that on ESPN. And there's a new Lance Armstrong. I watched it last night. Yeah. yeah. So people are missing sports for sure. So it would be nice even to see some of these other sports be the guinea pigs and get out there and see what that looks like before football season starts. I feel like the NFL is the chosen one, though, just because the the timeline it fell for them works out so perfectly that these other, you know, other school or other sports can work out the kinks for them and it didn't kill their playoffs and things like that so keep your fingers crossed did you see the fake fans that they used in the korean baseball that's opened back up did you see kind those of. clips yeah it's, yes you can uh, do a lot of like fun that. things with it I, I i heard somebody say that you put up a huge green screen tarp and then you have people who are watching the game filming themselves almost like a zoom call <laughs> okay. on the wall so there's actual fans projected on a tarp in the seats for the players when they're playing not the worst thing I've yeah. ever heard. Interesting ideas. A lot of fun things that they could do once things get going if there aren't any fans. But they've got to replicate something. I mean, um, it's it's got to be a, a letdown for players to not have that vibe because I think that's a lot of what people get up for, especially in the NFL and football, to have that crowd and that energy. That'll be strange. It'll be very strange. But at most, it sounds like it'd be a year 
I could live with it. If it was assuming I would take it right now, if we get to play every snap oh, yeah. and the only consolation was we didn't have any fans in the stands. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We've I'll, gotten I'll that. We've gotten that question before. It's like, yep. Okay. We'll take it full season. Yep. No fans. Let's go. Yep. And that Lance thing was pretty cool last night. Maybe we'll bring that up again tomorrow too. Cause there's a couple things, many things I didn't realize, but it was interesting. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. So uh, I'll have to watch that. I'll do my homework and then we can, uh, we can, we can get into that for sure. It's pretty cool. All right. Good stuff, Matt. Thanks, as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with our guest, Cody Rourke, the host of Locked On Broncos. And we've also got our old friend Mike Sando joining us later on in the week right here. Locked On NFL.